Zencaster. Dom, I see you on. Mel, where are you? Dom, can you talk? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, I'm hearing you perfect, so that's good. Mel, I can't hear you at all. Yeah, he's not on Zencaster yet. You haven't joined on Zencaster yet. Tits on a bull, mate. Mel, Mel, Mel. The anchor. We're going to call you the anchor man. You're the right. freer dockers of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Hey, you're on there now, Mel. Ah, oh, there we go. You may speak. Yes, I may speak. Talking, Mel? I am talking. And welcome to another episode of Chronicles on the Fly. And we have back again our special guest, Dominic. And uh, I think we're making a habit of, habit of this, Dom. Feels a bit like that, doesn't it? We might just have to call you the third wheel and uh, be done with yeah, it. Yeah, it's not, not going to be the first time I am, mate. So. And as always, the elder, Mel. How are we? Can't complain. Cannot complain in the, this beautiful sunny day in September. Yes, well, we got a bit of rain just earlier, but well, where I am anyway. Well, that's what happens when you're just north of Albany. <laughs> north of somewhere, mate. We're all north of somewhere. Oh, yes, the good old Perth north-south divide wars. We know which side's better. They are pretty ridiculous, if you ask me. Not much of a war when we all agree the north wins, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, don't worry, I might be on the south side, but I still agree with the north wins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's been an interesting fortnight. Uh, We did do an episode a week ago, however, we fucked it. Uh, I think it was my fault. I think I stopped the recording uh, inadvertently. No need to blame, no blame games. No, no, no blame games, but Simon, you stuffed it, so. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm pretty sure that uh, it was probably our best episode as well in terms of the content. It was practically some pretty decent really good content um so i thought we'd start off with just recapping like five minutes worth of what we what we did talk about in the in our in our broken episode that uh did not exist last week did we speak about the afl we did didn't we no we we did have to get to fans mailbag you got to the fans mailbag for once and we had a question about novak yes we did a a few uh fans uh sent in some messages for us Firstly was that uh, I had to apologise to you, Mel, remember? Fuck no, I've got to do this two weeks in a row. It's ridiculous. Uh, I, had to, I had to apologise for for telling you to shut your computer up or something. But uh, so, yeah, wholeheartedly, Mel, my, my sincerest and uh, most genuine of apologies, my dearest compadre. Well, this time you're forgiven this time. No, thank you. The sentiment's still correct, though. Shut the computer up. But he apologises for telling you off. Exactly. <laughs> I should better turn my computer off, actually. <laughs> yeah. Turn the, yeah, smart. Turn the whole computer off. Really. That, would, that would be really smart. <laughs> it will solve the problem, Simon. You have no sound then, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Might make it a good podcast. Uh, and uh, the other thing that we were uh, that we got a message about was, oh, firstly, someone asked, who the hell is this new guy? Uh, that's all. That's all being explained. Just some dude, eh? Some guy on the street pulled him in, mic'd him up, got his thoughts, and that was the end of it. <laughs> that's how we all got here. And uh, the third person, obviously a uh, a tennis fan, uh, shout out to Amelia, uh, asked us to discuss. Well, this week, but actually, you know, meaning last week, to discuss uh, Novak Djokovic being tossed out of the U.S. Open for. Hitting a ball in frustration and uh, sconning a lion's lady in the in the neck. So, what we did discuss on that last week was, uh, I think we all agreed, yeah, fair call by the rules had to happen, had to absolutely he had to go. Um, obviously, obviously he didn't mean it, but I suppose you know tennis is a game where you've got to uh, check your check absolutely. your tantrums um, and rein it yep. in a bit. Yep. And that was your mate because that's what you were talking about. Your, your, your friend Curios. If he, if he was doing that, um, how would he have been treated? Oh, he would have been kicked out. No different to Djokovic, I suppose. Yeah. So Curios piped up as always, had to say something, and he said, "You know, um, how many, how many months or whatever suspension would he have copped?" Look, obviously, I have some sympathy for for uh, Djokovic um, because because he clearly clearly didn't mean it, and he. 
even though he left, he didn't uh, kind of face up to the press conference like he was meant to. He left pretty quickly because obviously he was disappointed in himself and, and in the situation. At least he did put something very contrite on social media, apologizing to everyone. He had obviously apologized to the lady in person, um, but he was apologizing on social media to just fans of tennis worldwide saying, you know, sorry, it was a bad look and he admits that he uh, was in the wrong and apologized to the tournament uh, organizers and, you know, everyone. So, look, got to give him some credit. You know, he could have just shut up about it or he could have complained about it and said, you know, why me, whatever. So, yeah, good on him for doing that. Um, You live and you learn. What do you do? You know, even when you're, uh, you know, 17 times or whatever it is. I actually uh, actually really used to like Djokovic until he came out as an anti-vaxxer. All right, fair enough. That's that's a stupid thing, but let's let's try and I think you know in in the context of of what he's done, let's try and park you know, separate the two. But yeah, look, you know, even if when you're a, a seventeen, is it seventeen time uh, Open champion, you can still make mistakes, and as long as you you know you're willing to learn from it and put your hand up and apologize, well, what more can you ask? It's true, but I think the world's become where. Everyone says that sports people shouldn't be role models, and to a certain extent, I most definitely agree. But that's not how role models work. Some it's just the way of the the nature of the beast, and people listen to you, whether they should or they shouldn't, is another argument. But they actually do. So, I mean, yes, you can separate sometimes the person from the player, but more often than not, well, those two things generally intertwine a lot more than you'd hope they would. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the nature of society. We've um, we've made uh, sports stars role models. Society has done that. You know, they haven't asked for it, but they are, and they need to just accept that that's the lay of the land. You know, that's the way nature of the beast and the way it is. Any more cliches and come out with? I don't know. Actually, well, having said that, we make winners role models. We don't make sports people role models. Only the winners. Ah, uh, well, okay. We mentioned Kyrgios. Would you say that Nick Kyrgios is a role model? He's not no, a but this yet. is what I said to you. And I've, I've had, how many times have I had this discussion with you about Exactly, Kyrgios? Mel, because I was going to say I don't <laughs> consider a, him a winner. Not a, but that's not exactly my Nick point. a winner at all. If he, was winning, if he was winning, the Australian public would love that dude because we do. We have a history of loving people who are terrible people but good athletes. That's just – we, we have a history of loving terrible people, right, like e.g. Ned Kelly. He was a big – killed police. You know? He was a criminal, plain and simple. Given the current climate of Victorian police, he's probably even more revered. <laughs> True, but still, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get onto we'll get onto that. I'm sure. If, if it had been Nick Kyrgios tossed out of the tournament, I would definitely have a lot less sympathy because I don't like him as uh, as a person because of the way he carries on. But Djokovic is a 17-time world champ, which is why you give him more grace, like you give him more grace, period. I guarantee if Kyrgios was a 17-time world champ, then, yeah, of course he would get like he would get the same treatment as Djokovic. That's just the way it is. I said it when we spoke last week. You take Shane Warne, for instance. Shane Warne, mate, find me an Aussie who doesn't love Shane Warne. Love Shane The bloke Warne. himself, not the best role model. Why? But the actual – because look at the past his history. Under- you got – I know – all right, so yes, you all agree that Leading he, he did get do, done for the, the the match information. It was just it was just weather. I get this, but still, one got done for that. Two got done for a drug ban. Right? Three. Diuretic, how many times diuretic. was he in the paper for? Yeah, the diuretic. Yeah, but how many times was he in the paper for um, cheating on his wife, or you know, was out partying, or he was smoking, oh, or something? So the actual oh, person oh, himself oh, wouldn't geez, say he's a great did, role model. Well, gee, he's the only person to do that, is he? They all do it. Every sports what, cheat on his it. wife. But that's not that's oh, not really. Have a look at the that's, history. Yeah, I know, but that's the specific term of role model. Whether people do or you don't, you're meant you're held at a higher standard than the general public. That's the purpose of a role model. I, I think that probably even more than a, a villain that Aussies love to love, right? Aussies also love a good redemption story. Right, and not that, yeah. and uh, you know, I'm talking about Shane Warne here. Not that he's done anything, you know, to create such a big redemption redemption story. I just think that naturally, over time, he's become a better bloke. You know what I mean? Like, nothing really bad has come out about him lately, and you know, in a number of years, I don't recall anyway off the top of my head. He seems to be much more matured as a as a person. I think you've got to give him that. You know, he seems to be 
seems to be doing, you know, loving his role as a um, as being a father and, and raising his kids. And he's every time I hear an interview of his, he's he talks about that and things like that. So got to give that to him. Um, yeah, I mean, look, and the same thing would would happen to if if Nick Kyrgios changes his uh, his attitude over time if he becomes a you know a better person in his demeanor in his manner of speech and the way he carries on 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 the courts but even if it if it takes to you know after he retires and he just does better things you know in the public eye he'll he'll gain more respect anyway but at the moment uh, I think he doesn't have a lot of respect you know in comparison to a lot of other sports stars and I think that's deservedly so. What I don't like about Curios is when he tanks games. And it's like, as a person who pays to go watch the game of tennis, there I, you go. I, I don't like that. If I'm paying my hard-earned money to watch a game of tennis, I expect a, a performance. I don't expect you to go tank and say, oh, I've got a sore knee or this or that or just underarm serve. That's bullshit. No, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that part of his character. That's right. So he disrespects, he disrespects not only the game, uh, but also the viewers, the spectators. He disrespects individually the spectators. Each and every one of them should be should feel slighted when they go to watch him play. They've paid for it, and they see him tank. Like they should get their money back, and Nick Kyrgios should be charged <laughs> yeah, yeah, a fee. You know, <laughs> not charged criminally. I don't mean that. But going going to watch a sport is is it's just a want. It's not a need. If you don't want to go watch Curious, don't go pay to watch Curious. You know what you're getting when you buy a ticket. It's no different to you going to go watch some of those soccer games, especially in Europe. Mate, they roll around every time they get touched. That's not in the spirit of the game either, but that's just part of it. That's what happens. Like I don't think anyone complains about that. That's even worse. That's more of a blight on the I game. Can, uh, on the other on the other hand, I on the other hand, I can see that point as well. You know what you're going to get. So yeah, I can I can see both points there. Um, but what do you mean they roll around every time they get touched? What are you, who are you talking about? Soccer players in general. Soccer players. Like I could pull out any league, and there's always players on every team that you know get touched and they roll around like they've been sniped from the stands. Like come on, man. Like we know. That happens in AFL now. It's almost well. become a tactic. Dom, that happens, but it's more of a stereotype than reality. You know what I mean? That's just a that's just a soccer. It's a soccer stereotype from people who don't like soccer. I know it does happen, but it, it happens just as much yeah. in AFL or other sports. Pick another sport. Nah, no, it's nowhere near to the extent. And I, look, I hate when I see it. I hate when I see it. But it's not punished, Simon. That's the problem. So they happen, and they get. But they get rewarded. They get rewarded for over-exaggerating. That's what happens in the system. It's ridiculous. You shouldn't be rewarding the over-exaggeration. You should be rewarding the – so the guy who stays up on his feet and gets hacked a few times but actually tries to continue doesn't get rewarded. But the guy that falls over and rolls around, you know when they fall down and they grab the ball with their hand and they drag it in? He gets rewarded. It's bullshit. What do you mean when they drag it in in AFL? You know, sometimes no in the in the foot in the soccer. You know, sometimes like they get clipped from behind, they fall on the ball, and then they hold it in with their hands, and they just try and get the ref to give them a free kick. Happens all the time. It's a rare occasion where they fall on the ball and 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 drag it in. You watch Jorginho; he does it all the time. Normally, the ball goes rolling away. Look, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It does happen, and when it does, I call it out myself, and I it, it disgraces the game. So that really shits me. But there's no punishment for it. But I don't think it's as often. I don't. There is punishment. Yes, but you know, you should get a yellow card for for play acting or for diving or whatever. It doesn't always happen, but sometimes you do. Sometimes you do see a referee give a, a booking for it. But I think I think that it's overplayed. The perception of it is overplayed more so than actually it playing out on the field. I don't think it's a bigger as big a problem as as uh, people think. All right, so basically what I was saying was how often do they do something and then later on after that, after the game, like say somebody dives or exaggerates or something like that, there's no punishment after. That's how you get them to stop. you got cameras everywhere. Mate, punish them for the stuff that's not in the spirit of the game. That's the whole purpose of it. Like you shouldn't be going out there intentionally to get people yellow-carded, red-carded, intentionally to win penalties to try and deceive the umpire or the referee or whatever sport it is. But it's all done on purpose. It's almost a skill now. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think it's as uh, as rampant as you're you're saying. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah, it does happen, but I think they're um, not one offs. They're not they're not one offs, but they're they're much rarer. Oh, than no, I'll agree to disagree. 
I mean, every time I've watched lately, I'm just like, mate, that's it's just ridiculous. I, I must admit, as much as the A-League sometimes technically is not very good, in exaggeration, it doesn't happen here anywhere near the amount it happens. But if you ever watch South American football, if you ever watch Argentinian or Brazilian, it's actually hard to watch. I was like, mate, this guy went further rolling around the floor than he did running on the floor. You know where it comes from is that these countries, you know, South American countries, um, to a certain extent, European, they just have a, a different approach to life. Whereas where it's, um, it's it's seen as getting getting one over your fellow man is kind of applauded. You know what I mean? Like it's you're you're seen as as smarter than, than others if you can if you can pull the wool over someone's eyes and and get the better of them, you know, grab it, get an advantage, and it's just that attitude playing out. Yeah, but okay, there's one thing: get an advantage, you know, beating someone's head. Yeah, I get that. There's another thing: there's um, trying to. No, I'm talking about even you know illegally or you know by by cheating or whatever. It's seen as as you know. Not so much, you know, a respectful, respected, but you're just seen as, you know, um, no, yeah, Argentinians especially is definitely. You know, look at Maradona, right? The attitude: do what you got to do to survive. Exactly, do what you've got to do to win. You know, the hand of God, um, things like that. You know, he 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 thrived on that. You know, Mar- like Maradona, let's take the Maradona hand of God in 86, all right? We all know that situation fine. He, he scored a goal with his hand, all right? And just by coincidence, in the same game, he also scored the greatest goal in the history of the game in the same game. That's uh, that's just the the contrast, the juxtaposing nature of the man. Thanks, Miss Hastel. Do you like that? Miss Hastel, thanks for that. Year 12 English, mate. The juxtaposing nature of... The two sides of Diego Maradona, right there, in one half of football, not just let alone one game. Um, yeah. And then you've got four years later, Italia '90. I think it was the second round match, Argentina versus Yugoslavia. He did another handball, this time on his own goal to line save goal, yeah. to save a goal. Yeah, that one's not made a big deal of. But if that ball goes in. Whew, Sayonara to Argentina. They wouldn't have gone through to, all the way to the final. Two World Cups in a row, he did it. But you're looking at it from the spectacle. I'll put it to you this way. Imagine you were the England squad. Imagine you were the Yugoslavian squad. How much would that shit you to tears? Yes, you'd be that spewing. You'd be spewing. An interesting person to listen to about it is Gary Lineker, who was playing that game for England. And, you know, it's interesting. He's, he's, I've heard him in interviews. He's said that, you know, like pretty much what I just said, that it was amazing to be on the pitch to see the both the villainous and genius nature of Maradona all in one in one game. He said he was like an amazing experience, and he doesn't. He actually said he doesn't hold any grudge because because of Maradona was so great. Yeah, but I'm sure if he was if he as an English player had the opportunity to do that, he probably would have done it as well, right? But that's not what the referee's job is, right? The referee's job is adjudicate. Is it a handball? It's a handball. We're not caring who's handballing. We're just handballing, right? Now the thing is, it's a handball. The rule says you can't do it. Yeah, yeah, totally. He didn't get away with it because he's Maradona. He got away it with it because seen. he just wasn't seen. If he had VAR, that wouldn't have gone through, would it? <laughs> It wasn't so. You got to admit, when you're watching that that incident, the '86 hand of God moment, right? In real time, you can't tell that he's handballed it. No, it happens so fast. You can't from the camera from the main camera angle that you always see, which was broadcast all around the world live. You can't see it. You can't. You know, you you immediately think he's headed that, and you see Peter Shilton, the English England goalkeeper, screaming mm. blue murder, sticking his arm up, waving at the referee, and. Your immediate thought is, what for? Maradona runs off and he's looking at the referee. Is it okay to celebrate? <laughs> he realizes he's got, he's got away with it. and uh, yeah. That's a name from the Brilliant. past. Huh? Oh, Peter no. Jeez. That's, that's, it. that's the other thing, though. though. We talk about yeah. stuff getting right. You've got the VAR now, right? So VAR. Oh. I understand the intent of VAR. I get it. Like you want to get the decision right. It's actually at times ruining some of the games because you think, mate, that guy's offside by a bee's dick. Like, that's just ridiculous. 
look, VIR, is there a place for it? Should there be a place for it? Probably, but I don't know if the technology is right or maybe maybe it's just the interpretations. Okay, you look, sorry, you look at third umpire in cricket now, right? When was the last time you saw an umpire call a run out? Yeah, but they, it's, it's always fall back to plan B. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm like, I'm watching it in real time. I'm going, that was out by a country mall. He was out by, he was out by a metre. And it's like, you still got to out. What for? No, I get that in cricket, but cricket's a generally slow game. So it doesn't really affect the game as much as what soccer does or what football does, all right? So it's generally, Fair enough. especially a test match. Look at look at Aussie rules, right? Now they've got the, the goal line technology, right? But what they do, what they seem to do is – the goal umpire, you know, it's mainly about, you know, did the ball cross the line before it was touched or did the ball graze against the, the post so it should be a point, whatever, all right? The goal umpire makes a call. It's pretty, I'm pretty sure that every time the goal umpire makes a call and says, I think it was a goal or I think it was a point, but we need to send it up, okay? So they send it up to, to um, the, the arc. what do they call it? The, the, the arc. arc. For some reason. Right, anyway. So the, to the, they send it up to the video review. Half the time, they can't tell either, right? So they just go back to what the uh, the goal umpire's judgment was, and the goal umpire's judgment was wrong. But all I have situation is they make a decision without having to look at all the all the all the angles. That that's that's I'm that's just all that problem. all like that. Like yeah, the Eagles copped it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who was it against? But even against the Bulldogs, so be it. They copped that one. My annoyance is on the field. The the mark that Buddy Bontempelli took was about a six meter kick. I was like, mate, you had a marker in between you. How is that a mark? That's play on every day of the week, but that's a, that's another issue, right? So whether the goal was there. But I'm taking VAR in soccer, right? My opinion on VAR and my opinion in VAR and all the reviews, right? Play it in real time. Don't slow it down. Play it in real time and see if you can make a decision. I think, yeah, I think there's – look, if you're going to stop the game, review in both in real time and, uh, and slowed down. But I think in real time if you can't tell. So in real time, you can't tell it's offside. It's not offside. I don't think you draw a line from here. You do it from the guy's elbow. You do it from his shoulder, from his pinky, whatever decision you're choosing. Who knows what they're deciding on, right? If you can't tell in real time, well, let's play on. Offside in, in soccer is ruined because of, the, because of the interpretation of passive offside. It has completely fucked the game. It is not the game, the, the offside rule. Okay, because a player can be standing between someone having a shot and the goalkeeper, obscuring the goalkeeper's view. So that player is in an offside position, but if he's not technically in the play, right? So he doesn't get a touch on the ball. The ball doesn't quite go near him. It's called. It's not even called passive off- offside, which it should be. It's just actually not offside anymore, which is bullshit. You've obscured the goalkeeper. You've completely, like the offside trap for a defence is non-existent anymore. So imagine Saki's Milan, Baresi, Costacuta, Tassotti, Maldini, right? That back four would just be a laughing stock these days. It couldn't exist. You would, but that's, that's um, see, that's when you change, you know, we talk about AFL changes rules all the time. There's some things in soccer I feel like, mate, maybe you should probably look at changing some things every now and then. There's some of the things on there just like, this is ridiculous. Like even even we go back to the 2006 World Cup final, Italy versus France, okay? Luca Toni scored a, a disallowed goal. He scored a header because Daniele De Rossi was in an offside position, marginally, but he was. He was in an offside position. Today that would be called passive because he didn't touch the ball and that goal would would, would stand today. So Italy would have been 2-1 up and probably won the game 2-1 rather than gone to penalties and won it. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but yeah, that's, that's a, a rule change that, that's, that's come in now um, because I think that decision was correct. You know, the it's time, harsh yeah, yeah. On, on the goal scorer or on the, on the team. But for me, offside should be offside. I don't care if you're sitting in the, the corner arc, miles away, away from the game, from the play. If you're in an offside position, anyone – in the in the uh, attacking team in an offside position, that's it. Free kick offside. I would like to see that, and that that brings the intelligence back into football. 
in terms of the the attacking team needs to be intelligent about not not getting themselves in an offside position, and the defensive team has uh, you know can rely on their talents uh, their intelligence by purposely setting an offside trap to get the attacking team offside. That smartness of football has completely gone out of it, and it's such a shame. But people, but it's all about creating more opportunities for goals. That right, and that's and that's dumbed the game down. I think. No, but you know you're talking about smart plays there, Simon. Mm. I'll send you. I'll send you the little video. I think it was the Polish or Romanian league or something like that, right? And they set up a wall, and the guy was probably a meter outside the box. The keeper was standing in the wall. Now the keeper was standing in the wall, and all I was thinking, just dink so, it over, right? Well, this lock. is the thing. I was like, I'm not sure if that's the smartest move I've ever seen or the dumbest move I've ever seen. I literally could not work it out. So what I was, was like, the result? That's what actually happened? different. Um, his defender cleared it off the line. <laughs> but it actually wasn't. I was like looking at it. I was like, you know what? At some instance. So, so the guy's got the free kick, right? Just outside the 18 yard. Right? The, the, the keeper comes and stands in the four or five man wall. And obviously he can use his hands. So I was like, huh. Never really thought about that. And I still couldn't work it out. I was like, I'm not sure if that's the smartest or dumbest thing I've ever seen. But hang on, was there also, did they set up with a defender or two on the goal line? They ended up being, yes. But obviously the guys on the goal line couldn't use their hands. So I'm like, oh, that's. But did they did they start on the goal line or did they run back to the goal line as the player came in to take the free kick? If you, know, if you can picture what I mean. Because what the reason why I asked that is because if they those defenders if they started on the goal line, well that allows the the attacking team to stand next to them, as you know as long as they they don't get themselves in offside position, but they can be right at the goal as well. So you could you could chip it over and just get a header. I'm saying I'm not sure if it's the smartest or dumbest thing I've ever seen. I was like, ah, no, don't I don't think it's smart. But it didn't end up in a goal. No, but um, there's something like that. No, but I like. Yeah, but it was like Romanian fourth division or something like that. It was Sunday league, right? So don't worry too much. The about farmers that. league. But I was trying to think like, we, yeah, we'll just we'll say that. You <laughs> don't farmers see many um, farmers, farmers league. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't see much like creativity like that anymore. But I think that side of everything, I don't know, it seems so much more um, safe a lot of the times now than it used to be. I do like seeing, you know, a bit of invention in the game, but I, I don't know if I'd uh, go along with that if I was managing that team, but <laughs> good luck to them. It's pretty good the sheep supporting them in the in the stands. While we're talking about uh, football, I thought that one thing that we could bring up is uh, yesterday the announcement that Richard Garcia was named as the new Perth Glory manager. I think that's not a bad decision, to be honest. I don't think it's a – well, he's been there. He's been an assistant for a while. So he's, he's got a bit of experience in Europe, obviously played in Europe. So maybe – can bring a bit of that to the to the team. Seems to be that there's maybe a trend coming in in the um, in the A League. I think Carl Viet as well was uh, named coach of uh, one of the Melbourne teams. I can't remember. So he's another ex Socceroo as well. But yeah, I just wanted to make mention of um, you know and congratulations as well to to Richie Garcia for being named the Absolutely. head coach. Because I hope he smashed it. He's brilliant. brilliant, and you know, local boy grew up through the ranks. A long, long time since uh, the two of us grew up playing with him in uh, junior soccer in Belcada, you know. Um, so it's, I, I felt very proud of him. 100%. I felt proud of him when he donned, when he was in Europe and he donned the, the was it I don't know, West yep. Ham? Was it one of the first name was West Ham? I was very West proud Ham of him. and Hull he played it. So. Yeah, yeah, then Hull I was very proud of him when he donned on the Socceroo jersey. I mean, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Mel and I um, played junior soccer at Belcada and uh, Richie Garcia, three years younger than us, but used to run rings out of everybody, uh, uh, three years older than him. That's uh, how good he was and how obviously how good his football brain is. And that shows, you know, he always, everyone knew that he would um, make something of himself in the world of football. You could see you could see he was gifted. You could see he's a gifted as a nine-year-old playing on the 12s that he was – just a just a, a notch better than everyone else. Exactly, uh, more than a notch better, and yeah, look, and look, very. I think I just want to say also, it would be a very proud uh, moment for his family. He comes from a brilliant family. 
and his brother was a brilliant player. You know, growing growing up in junior soccer, um, Richie's family would always come to the game, and I'm t- not talking about just his parents, but um, his grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins were always there cheering him on. But really tight, very loving, beautiful family, um, and not just to cheer Richie on, but everyone, all the boys. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I remember times that that his dad, who you know, unfortunately is no longer with us, so you know, obviously. He would be looking down also very proud. It's brilliant. Um, you know, his dad would sometimes put his arm around me and give me a bit of advice. And, you know, there are beautiful moments that I remember as well. So, um, yeah, just a, a, a really proud moment for um, for Rich and his whole family. So, you know, I don't know if, if I, I think he's very busy. I don't I doubt that he would be hearing this, but, um, you know, just good on you, Rich, mate. We're, we're, we're behind you all the way. Well done, Rich. Proud of you, buddy. Hundred percent. I um. It's also good for West Australian junior soccer. It shows that you can do it if you go through the ranks. You know. I think as well in that regard, like he's he's uh, he's a very low risk option. I feel like he's a very low risk option for for glory. Um, given that one, I don't know what the expectation is next season. Who knows what's going to be happening in the A League? You never really know. Um, but two, I think he gets a bit more clout than a normal manager would. I mean, it's not often you'd get a former soccer, former EPL person coaching for you. So I think you get a little bit more leeway than you would if you were a um, just a Joe Blow coming through the you know the state league ranks or you know AIS or something like that. I think you already demand a portion of respect, which you wouldn't normally get. Like if no one knows who you are from before, no different to like Pilo managing, Zidane managing, all those guys. They have the respect before they even they even coach. Yeah, I mean that's a fair comparison in a way. And look, and if you look at, you know, Andrea Pirlo being appointed to Juventus, I was I was critical of that. Like, you know, it's his first ever coaching job. I don't think he's really done much even at at youth level. Like, maybe five minutes worth. Uh, we're talking about Pirlo, um, and now he's coaching you know, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Whether that's going to be a successful appointment or not, well, time will tell. Yeah, but I suppose, like those guys there, like I don't know if going to school to be a coach, like that, like really, when you think about Pirlo, he's he's been coached by Ancelotti, he's been coached by Allegri, he's been coached by Conti, he's been coached by um, uh, who was it, Italy? Uh, Lippi, he's been coached by Lippi. Like I mean, the guy's been coached by some of the best coaches they've ever had, right? So I'm not like it's not like he's going in there blind, you know? Oh yeah, totally. Look, and I think he's, uh, you know, he was. A quiet person, quietly spoken person, Pidlaw, but I think he was a bit of a leader and a, and a coach on the pitch just because of his footballing smarts. And you know what I was actually going to say as well? So, you know, we're talking about rules in, in sport and like whether they change. And obviously the AFL changes their rule for and willy-nilly. Uh, they're holding the ball rule this year. Who knows which one they've decided on. But I always feel like sometimes when I watch football and you watch soccer, and you think some, like they could do things to make it like either more high scoring or more entertaining or more chances or something like that. Like even little things. I like say, for instance, you get a free kick. If they only said, okay, you only, only have three people in the wall, for instance, or two people in the wall, then at least you'd have a little bit more interest when people take free kicks and stuff like that. There might be a way to like get more goals out of it because that's the entertaining part of soccer anyway. I, I hate rules being tampered with in that way. Like you've already got the rule that you've got to be 10 yards back. All right. And then when you got, when you're 10 yards back, you can have, you should be able to have as many as you want. Mm, I, said, I, I don't mind making uh, rules because sometimes some rules should probably be changed. All right. It was just the way things, the, the game evolves. Take a free kick. All right. So a free kick, you know, five yards outside the penalty box should be treated the same way as a free kick that's on the halfway line. You know what I mean? You're not going to make that rule for a free kick on the halfway line. It's still the same technique. It's the same area of, of the pitch. But that rule would still be the same. You only have two people in the wall. You just wouldn't waste two people on the wall on the halfway line because there's no risk of that guy scoring. But there is a risk five yards out. So I don't mind doing things like rules to, to if they're going to make the game more entertaining. I don't mind that. It's just whether they actually make the game more entertaining. That's the thing. Like VAR was meant to make it more fair. Has it made it more entertaining? Hell no. It's actually made it less entertaining. Who like scores and then has to wait for VAR to celebrate? That takes all the emotion out. I don't know if it's made it more fair either, to be honest. 
Oh, well, the intent. I suppose the intent was to make it more fair. Do you know which one's been good, but I'll tell you which technology one's been good. Goal line technology. It's been good in soccer. It hasn't been good in AFL. No, but in soccer, you know, they got that thing on the watch and then the watch beeps and they're like, goal. Man, that's wicked. Like, that just makes, that's just, that's worked well. It turns the video footage into a graphic. So it, that can't be argued with. That's brilliant. That's, that's cut and dry, that, which is great. In AFL, they haven't got it at all. Oh, they got it. No. But, you know, when, no you, when, you tape a, when you tape an iPhone to the pole, whatever they're using, because I don't know what they're using. That's what it's it's some shit-ass camera. Oh, my God. I'm like, you think you would have some sort of better camera than what you've got? It's got to be some sort of Hawkeye type of thing, you know? Uh, but, it, but it's like, I just, the, the quality, where it is, how it's facing. I was like, who designed this system? How is this the best system that you got? I don't understand. So they're using real player from the early 2000s as well. So it's like, <laughs> ah, mate, honestly, shocking. Oh, real player. Speaking of, uh, speaking of old, I was reminiscing about the other day about old software sign. Remember good old Winamp? <laughs> oh, Winamp. It really kicks the llama's ass. Wasn't, wasn't that the slogan? Funnily enough, that, that, um, it's still installed on my parents' computer. To play MP3s, it's still perfectly fine. It's a good, good program. It was back then. It was awesome. That was like that was from the two thousands. Remember, you know, Winamp. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. What else were we going to talk about today? Danistan. Danistan. Yes, uh, that's pretty. Pretty. Don't like that law they're trying to pass. You can be found uh, arrested for if the police believe you're intentionally going to break COVID rules. If they suspect that you're going to break lockdown or quarantine, they can preemptively detain you. And not just, they're trying to get it not just for police, but also for like security personnel and things like that. And, 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 and healthcare workers and healthcare uh, workers. I mean, if, if this is not a, if that is not a police state, then I don't know what is. Well, the, you know, saying yeah, North Korea would do. Exactly. Right. Wouldn't, if, if you're a, a dyed-in-the-wool Labor voter over in Victoria, right, if you've got any sort of moral grasp of the world, you've, you'd have to, like, be thinking, there's no way we can keep this guy there, right, even though he's on my team. You'd have to be thinking that. And you would have to vote for the other side just for purely, even if you don't like them, just purely to get the dictator out. Absolutely. Because it's either he's purposely being a dictator or he's not purposely being a dictator. It's all just incompetence. And that's probably even scarier. If he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's being tyrannical, that's probably scarier than actually intending it. See, I get the feeling in there. It's, I don't know if it's him running the shots. I actually just really get the feeling. You're probably right. Uh, I, I feel like it's the like the police are running the shots. The police? And I'm like, yeah, like the commissioner is telling the premier what, what to do. So it's like, why when in a situation where the police is being, is being judged on, you know, their overuse of, of power and so on and so forth, do you give a, introduce a rule that gives them more power? That's just baffling to me. Sure, you'd critique it more than normal. But if that's mm. the case, how does the premier and the premier's advisors not have the competence to say, no, we're not going to do that because that's what a fascist government would do. No, that's something, that's something that uh, Joseph Stalin did back in, uh, in after World War II. You know, it's like, oh, you, we think you're going to do this. This is called the purge. We're going to send you to the gulags. Well, they're not quite at the gulag stages, but. Uh, no, I know. They're not committing genocide, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying the, the concept is, is pretty. See, I feel like that, it, and it's always been the case with Victoria, and they've been pushed by unions, so it's always been the case. It seems like this one's a push from the police union. What they're pushing them to get in return, I don't know. Who knows? That's into there. But it just seems like all the decisions being made really only benefit the police and none of the citizens in that, sound, in that, in that city. Well, how, how does this even benefit the police? Well, I mean, to get more power without, with less scrutiny. It always benefits the police. How dumb must you be to be a police officer and just go along with it? I mean, I know that you've got to you've got to get your paycheck for the you know just to to get along your family. You know, you got 
bills to pay and mortgages and that type of thing. But geez, how do you morally do the, some of the things that they're doing? I just don't get it. Yeah, but it's an us, us against them, but that's essentially how you make people do it, isn't it? So you, you, you target an enemy. So you're just saying, well, these people are doing the wrong thing. So we're just doing it to protect everyone else. So they're just, they're just making somebody an enemy. Whether they're actually an enemy or not, well, that's a different question. But they've just obviously picked out a segment of people who they think are flouting the rules, who they think are doing the wrong thing, who they think are making their job harder. That's really all they're doing. Put a, put a face to the enemy, Simon. It's sick to see, you know, from this far. I mean, you know, not that uh, not that Mark McGowan is doing a sterling job, if you ask me. I think he's getting worse and worse each day with uh, his bullshit rhetoric. Um, but Jesus Christ, at least we're not um, at least we're not Victoria. Oh man, badly. And me, me and. Me and Metal, like obviously, if anyone's been listening, me and Metal don't always agree on things. I think that's quite obvious. So, um, but on one thing we do agree on, and this again with McGowan and stuff as well, we should like any home should be allowed to come home. Absolutely, hands down, that should be the case. Totally. To say, to to say, or even imply that you know the the federal government is dumping, you know, uh, dumping these people on on the states. Right, these are Australians. These are your own constituents. These are Western Australians. We should be welcoming them back. Right? Some of the stories that you that you see, like parents split up from from their kids, like the you know young kids, toddlers here, having to stay with the grandparents while their while their parents are stranded overseas and they haven't seen seen them for months. That's sickening. A child, children that age, they need their parents. That's and the state should be doing all they can to to reunite them. It's thickening. And so, so what I have a, the issue is when people say, oh, but they should have come home earlier. Well, number one, try and get a flight home. That's the first thing. Second thing is they only capped at 500 people per week coming in. And how many people are overseas? That's, that's, that's a big problem. Capped at 500 people per week. How many, WA was. How many empty hotel rooms are there in, in Perth? At the Absolutely. Moment? There's about 15,000, about 15,000 hotel rooms in Perth. We're only allowing 500 per week. Just get them all here. Get the person in place to, to, you know, do the security for the two week quarantine. If they've got to do it, fine. Just get it done. And I agree with Mabel, right? This is when he says this, he goes, mate, if they want to come home, even if they've left it too long, who gives a shit? They're allowed to come home. They have the exactly. right to come home. So if they've yeah. waited too long, that's not the concern. It doesn't matter because I guarantee if it was one of your family members or somebody out there, it was one of your relatives, you would be crying, crying that they couldn't get home. So how is anybody else any different? This is, it should be there. Now, further to that, you know, this, this is what brings me to my other point when I always bring me metal. Mate, say what you like about some of these, you know, you know the airlines come in, you've got Qatar still going, you're Emirates, Singapore, whatever. Honestly, where's Qantas? Qantas is getting a handout from the government. You're getting your, your employees paid. Get your planes off their ass. Go pick up the Australians. Bring them back. You're meant to be our national carrier. Do your job. Absolutely. Instead of keeping the, the planes in the, in the Mojave Desert in the United States, get them back and start doing, doing their job. Bring them back. Why is it up to Singapore Airlines and Qatar to do it? No, shit. You're actually getting a government handout. Go out there and go get them. That's your job. It will get the Australian airline industry ticking over a little bit at least, okay? So those wages get, get paid, okay? And then once these people are back here, if they've got to go into a two-week quarantine, then there's people that need to be employed to, to manage and hotels. all that. Well, let's get it going. You know, it's just it's a no-brainer. Why this 500 at a time? Just get them all here. Get it happening. Get Get the the economy flowing at least in that's in those sectors where that where that's involved. But how many handouts has the airline industry, specifically Qantas as well, gotten over its history? Like really, how many handouts has the airline industry gotten? And when the time then you need to actually get Australians home, and they and they have a right to come home, that you'll ground you. Then they go and get their planes serviced and and maintained. Yeah in the United States rather than doing yeah. it here like they're supposed to. So they don't have to pay as much. So apparently it's, it was cheaper to do it there. That's unbelievable. Yeah, of course. While they're getting handouts, they're sending planes to America. It's criminal. 
What else? Anything else, Sean? I've just seen that uh, the New York Yankees have just beaten their fierce rivals, the Boston Red Sox, in 12 innings. They've gone into overtime. Oh, that's good. But the question, I actually got to ask you, who do you reckon is them? Do they hate the Mets more or do they hate the Red Sox more? Red Sox. Surely it'd be Red Sox, right? Biggest rivalry in American sport. Surely. No. Yeah. The Mets only been in since I think the sixties. Though I might be wrong there, but yeah, they're a, they're a newer franchise. Uh, yeah, the traditional rivals of baseball are Boston and, and New York. Who was it that? Um, who was it that uh, was? I think it was Ben Affleck was playing a role, and he had to wear a Yankees hat, and he wouldn't wear it because he's a Red Sox fan. <laughs> yeah, that'd be right. You see what I mean? But uh, they, they hate each other. It's it's a hatred. But still, you know what I mean? It's you're paid to do your job. Do it if you know if that's what the character requires. It seems to me like Amer- like over here we pretty much support our local team across the board of sports, right? Mm-hmm. In America, it seems very common that they pick and choose their teams. Like you could you could be a fan of the LA Lakers, but you also like the Yankees, for example. Mm. You know what I mean? So two completely opposite cities. Mm. I don't know yeah, why. But their franchises move a lot as well. But yeah. their franchises move a lot. Like they they don't necessarily stay in one town. Like even when you look at um isn't Seattle moved? What's what's they called now? Um Seattle. basketball. Seattle. Basketball team. Sonics or something? Yeah, so, what were uh, they? Yeah, are they still there? Did they move? Or was it the Hornets? No, the Hornets. The Hornets are the ones that think it. Oh, they're the Bobcats. Yeah, they're Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. Then they became yeah. the Bobcats. Then they've, yeah. they've come back to the North but Carolina. They, isn't Michael Jordan an owner? He's an owner of Charlotte Hornets. No, he, Washington, Washington, wasn't it? Washington, Washington, the Washington Wizards. Is, oh, no, no, no. You're right. It was Charlotte. Hey, Charlotte Hornets. Yes, Chuck. Yes. But see, they, they change all the time. Like, it's not strange that um, things like that in, in, in American sports. That's why apparently a lot of people watch the college system because there's a bit more of a um, an attachment to your team. More of a local thing, yeah. Yes, there's more of an attachment. And you'll often get 60, 70, 80,000 people to a college event, right? Well, well, actually, when I went to Las Vegas a few years ago, they were building the stadium, the, the football stadium, which is finished now. And it's for the Las Vegas Raiders, which is their football team, right? But the Las Vegas Raiders were originally the Los Angeles Raiders. And before the Los Angeles Raiders, they were the Oakland Raiders. And before the Oakland Raiders, they were the Los Angeles Raiders again. So that just shifted their franchise around. Yeah, it's not the thing, but that's that's why they don't they don't have an attachment to one area. It's um, the team, which is why a lot of people only follow the the college team and don't necessarily have either an NFL or you know whatever they whatever they're playing. You know, even basketball sometimes moves around a bit. But even some of the biggest cities in America didn't have a team. Like Vegas, isn't this the Vegas team? Isn't this the first team Vegas has had professional sporting team for like decades or something? Someone was saying. Yeah, for decades. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't have anything. This was the first one that they've had, which is like baffling to me. I was like, it's Las Vegas, but I mean, apparently they don't have a lot of residents. What do you do? So, so imagine trying to support a team like that. Like it's happened here sparingly. Like, look, obviously, like South Melbourne went to Sydney. Brisbane Lions. Brisbane Lions. But Brisbane's kind of like a amalgamation. I don't know if it's necessarily the same. Brisbane Lions didn't move. Did yeah, they, 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 they merged. They, they merged, merged with Fitzroy. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that's necessarily North Melbourne may be quasi where they've sort of moved some games and stuff, but you know, still for all intents and purposes, still North Melbourne, right? Yeah. Um, but you take that for here. It's very rare for that to happen. And would your team continue to follow? Would you continue to follow your team if they move location? I don't know. It's an interesting concept here. I don't think. Well, really, the only direct example is, you know, like you said, South Melbourne to Sydney, right? And the only time you ever heard of South Melbourne since is when they won a premiership for the first time. Yeah. As Sydney. Or they refer to them as the Bloods. All of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden they're the Bloods again and and all of Melbourne is behind them. Fuck shit. (laughs) Yeah, but the other thing you got to understand about America as well, the people move for work as in a lot more than what they do here they do and they move for college as well yeah so don't so so if you're from new york it's not weird that you move to texas whereas here it's like okay people move but not not to the extent they move like i was speaking to an american guy once and he was just goes i don't understand why he's flying fly out for work why did you just move to the town and live there i was like 
to live up north in uh, Port Hedland uh, or whatever. Or Port Hedland was the one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. But but I know what he's trying to say. You know what, you know what I'm trying to say? Mm. He's trying to say like, well, because there's nothing there. Like I need America. You move to another city. You've got you've got another city. Hey, but yeah, but the thing is, another city. But how would you not build another city if no one moves there and it'll fly and fly out? That's what he's trying to say, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, no, fair, fair, fair call. Yeah, we don't do that here, but it's a, it's a different. It's also different, like as in America was built on having all those towns, small towns along the way. That's that was the intent of the way they 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 built that that continent. You know? We don't necessarily have that because most of our continent is desert. We do live in the desert, exactly. unless we make a casino there. No one's going to move to the desert. Well, that's how Las Vegas started, didn't it? It was well, exactly. It still is a still exactly. is a desert. There's nothing there or around it. So we can't Vegas. do that in WA because um because Crown owned the license for WA anyway, so it ain't gonna happen here, but just saying. Oh, it's more more than trying to accommodate as they can. Well, all the all the um all the online gambling things are all done in Northern Territory. They're that's all um, they're all listed there. Yeah. Bet the bet three six five and all those guys and yeah, all well, those, they're all done in um, Northern Territory. yeah. All done Northern Territory. See, this is what I don't understand about TAB. You got TAB here, right? I don't understand how you couldn't legislate to remain relevant. So you know they were trying to sell TAB because obviously no one goes in, everyone does it on their phone. I was like, well, why wouldn't you not just say, yeah, you can run sports bet in WA, but you need to have a physical location as well? That would make a lot more sense. Oh, I don't like when government gets involved in... Uh... In business, but it's not business. Yeah, Come on, gambling is a social issue, man. No, it's not. It's it's more of a social issue than a standard business. It's a business issue as well. No, no, not gambling because it's gambling. Gambling, um, gambling has long term effects for people, for residents, for WA. It's an addiction. That's also a business. No, it's not the same. It's not. A, it's a business that relies on addiction. Are you saying that smoking's smoking's a business? It is. Yeah, it's an industry. No, it's not. No business that relies it's an on addiction is a business. So if you That's grow tobacco point, it's a business. But tobacco is not business. an addiction. The, the nicotine, no, but hang on a second. It's reliant. It's an addiction. It's you're you're relying on people's addiction to something to profit it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. It's not a genuine business. To me, growing tobacco plants isn't a genuine business. Is that what you're saying? If I decide to become a tobacco but grower, it's, Hang on, hang on a second. It's the nicotine that's the problem. What's the addiction? My question result? is very simple. Very, well, hang on very, a second. Very, very simple well, well, hang on a second. I'll send if it to you I like this. I am a tobacco plant grower. Is that not a business? Yes, it is. Where people of smoke it is, or not, it's, oh, that's it. Thank you. End of story. Done. No, no it's not because I'll tell you something else about that business, all right? So if I have a business that causes an effect on the general public and everybody else has to pay tax to keep those people alive, is that a genuine business? Is that what the business you kind of want to, to achieve? Is that what is you want? Is it still want a business? Society? Yes or no? Is it a business? Yeah, Me but, growing uh, a tobacco plant, is it a business? Yes. All right, by that same but, argument, is a, drug, is a drug dealer a business? Is a drug dealer a business? It's an illegal business. That's oh, so it is a business. Illegal. Exactly my point. You it's just illegal, want to say it's a flat it's a thing. But hang on a second. It's a is business. a drug dealer a business? No. Is it, oh, no, simple question. Yes. Is a drug dealer a business? It is a business. Yes? It's illegal. It's illegal. So it's a business. It's still a business. The problem it's is there. That, no, but there is, a, there is a role in government to determine what's illegal and what's not illegal, right? Now, there is actual rules for gambling. Is there not? Is there not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what rules for gambling? Yeah. Yeah, clearly there's a rules for gambling, right? So you so, can so, rule you already, you no no hang on a second. So you already have rules for gambling, but then you can't put rules for you as the government who run a gambling arm to survive. That just seems ridiculous. Ah, oh, so so what's the difference between alcohol then? That's an addiction. There's nothing. I agree. But there's rules so on what, alcohol. There's rules on alcohol. There's not you're not allowed to advertise alcohol anymore. You can't do that on TV. Can you? Tell me the last, especially even in sport now, where you can't do adv- you can't do gambling before eight o'clock, between eight and eight o'clock. You can't do um, uh, the gambling ads, and you can't uh, um, you can't advertise alcohol on them either. They can't have sponsors. These rules that already exist. 
So what are you saying that the government can't legislate? They already do it for things that lead to addiction. There's actually a cost to the public. The cost to the public is we have to maintain these people. So of course you can. It's actually wrong that all the ads for sports bet, all they're targeting is 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old dudes. That's actually what they're targeting. It's actually causing an issue for some of these guys. It's ridiculous you can, you can bet two grand with your thumb. That's crazy. That's the world we live in. What are you supposed to do? No, it's not. No, it's not. It's the world because, we live in. No, it's not because we legislate against nicotine. We legislate against other drugs. We legislate against alcohol at times. There's an age limit for alcohol as well. So yeah. there's all these legislation things, right? So there's all the things. But you're saying for gambling, there shouldn't be. Well, fucking oath, there should be. It's still a social issue. No, I never said there shouldn't be. I just, no, no, I said, no, I said it's a fucking business. That's what I said. And I said, gambling and I is said, no. And, and the I role said, of a government is not get involved in fucking business. Bullshit. They're involved in everything. You can you cannot say to them, so no, you can't do this and you can't do that. No. Yes, I, you can. I that happens, with that. That happens dis- all the time. I disagree what with you. Them, what do you think literally every license you're required to run is from a government? So mm-hmm. everyone mean, requires government. You say go government right. get in, so you don't think that a doctor should have a license? Oh, oh my god, you're not you're not you don't think, no, you don't think an accountant no. should have a license. Government not gets involved in all businesses. Unfortunately, you're not getting my point. I'm sorry. So uh, I am. Simon's been awfully quiet, but yeah, yes, you can. I just like seeing you two go at it. This is just like when we were in the office together. I think the minimal stuff that government get involved, it's better. But you have a, this is the thing, you have a social responsibility, right, especially with addiction. The government does because you know why? If you don't do it at the business level, you have to do it at the medical level later. So it's going to cost you. So if social you don't level. sort out, yes, if you don't sort it out before, because the problem with gambling is what happens when everyone, it, it's an addiction. So all that happens is guys have the money and then the government has to support them anyway. So why let it get to that point? I disagree with the government telling you, you have to, you can't say if I want to spend my money, it's my goddamn money. I'll spend the hell, hell I like in the Matt, story. That's not how addiction works because you know what happens? It's not your money in the end. Because where do you, what do you think it's happens? It's my money. When people, no, no, that it's is my, the thing. What happens when you need to get money to go spend on gambling? Where do you get it from? What happens when you hit rock bottom? Uh, my Where do you bank? get it from? And what happens when there's none left there? So that's my, my, my money here. See, are you think you're fundamentally missing the point of what addiction is, Melo? That's the point of thing. It's you go beyond, you go beyond your means. That's the problem. And there is a social response. Why at the casino can you only take $400 out at the ATM? Why? By your reasoning, why can you only take four hundred dollars out? People, because no, you know what I don't like when people do not take responsibility for their own actions. It's always everyone else's fault. It's not this fault. It's my fault. This and that. If you didn't want to gamble, don't gamble. If you don't want to drink, don't drink. If you don't want to smoke, don't smoke. It's not everyone else's fault. It's your own. Be responsible for your own actions. That's it. But End we get story. that. But you, right. this can is I buddy in? Can I buddy in? Of course Government's you can. Control you. Of course you can. So. All right. Where I land on this is that I think that where where issues are going to spill over into society and cause an issue for society, then the government has a role to step in earlier. Shut up, Mel. Let me finish. (laughs) For example, gambling addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, things like that. Okay. If you can put in measures that are not too draconian, but, but curb that so that there's not um, social, medical uh, issues and things like that, welfare issues that, that, that come along from it, then by all means, step in uh, and, and regulate. That's where I land on that. I agree. Without trying to over, overstep too much, but however. Oh, but the, 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 there's, the, there's, the, there's yes. the million dollar question. There's the, the thing I have an issue with, the word overstep. Right. Because... Lot and we know that, that all right, Mel. We know that the government's always going to do that. We need to wrap it up. We need to we need to wrap up. So let's wrap it up. Otherwise, we'll be talking about this for the next week. All right. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. We'll do it again soon. Ciao, ragazzi. Ciao. My point. You better learn to play it right. Cause every gambler knows that the secret to survival is knowing what to throw away, knowing what to keep, 
And every hand's a winner, just like every hand's a loser. And the best that you can hope for is to die in your sleep. You gotta know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. You don't ever count your money while you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing is done. You gotta know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Know when to walk away, know when to run. You don't ever count your money while you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing is done. And when he finished speaking, he turned back toward the window, put out his cigarette, faded off.